I had a conversation with a guy who's in my mastermind group and he's telling me he's doing $150,000 a month consistently. There's a serious amount of money to be earned every year. And he's telling me he's stressed out. He gets burnt out. He needs a break. And he's also telling me he's fearful and doubtful of the success. And I say, well, that's what I'm experiencing. Or if that's what I've experienced, I've got to shift some things. And so in a very short conversation, he'll already admit, yeah, I need to delegate more and hire some more people to do this. I'm not owning it. I'm doing it. And I say to him, yeah, so, so set the date when you will hire by and hire the people. Oh, it takes yeah. time to do that. And my revenue will drop while I'm doing that. Well, it will because you didn't put the infrastructure in place. But you're going to slow down to smooth, smooth things out. And then that smoothness is going to bring you speed. And you'll be able to own your business, which means you can take every seventh day off, every seventh week off, every seventh month off. And if you really want, every seventh year off. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm serial entrepreneur and investor, Emmy Kirshner. And I'm known for sprinkling just a little bit of glitter throughout the streets of Philadelphia and on the stages that I speak while I help creative entrepreneurs stop struggling as the overworked admin in their business and become the CEO of their multi-six and seven-figure businesses. What has fascinated me over the years are the stories of success and failure that courageous entrepreneurs who have put it all on the line face as they change lives, disrupt industries, and become incredible leaders themselves. So if you're looking for a community of engaged entrepreneurs, and you'd love to get some resources and tools that can help you fast track your business, I invite you to join the Tribe of Leaders Facebook group. The link is in the show notes if you want to connect with us. And of course, the group is free to join. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders. I have an amazing friend and business coach with me today, James Hilliard, who is also known as the Impact Master and has an amazing system that will help those of you who are still stuck in your corporate jobs and want to get into and start your own business. James has a proven system that will be able to take you from moving into starting your own business and making the revenue that you want practically overnight. So James, welcome to the show, introduce yourself, and I can hardly wait to see what we end up chatting about today. Well, the really good news is what you just said is true. <laughs> so I like it when the introduction, I've been on stages where people have just said too much and I've said, I'm not even sure well, that's true. That's the kind of thing. Did, that, did I actually do that? But yeah, everything you said is absolutely true. So thank you for the introduction. Yeah, I'm glad to be here and we will try and give people some key messages today so they can take some value out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Share with everybody a little bit about your background. Like what was it that drove you from being, you know, successful managing director, huge corporation to starting your own gig? Probably the same thing that any listener is thinking. So they are in a corporate job and they are continuing to sell themselves back into the job every single day. And so I did that process from 2003 to 2018, 15 years. Oh, my God. Selling myself, <laughs> yeah, selling myself back that this was the right thing to do. And, you know, I'm glad it only took 15 years because I've met people in their 50s and 60s and it took them two or three decades to realize I am not fulfilled and I wish I'd left earlier. You know, my uncle's a great example of somebody who built a successful business and then sold it, but did that all in his 70s. 
And he said to me, I just wish I'd done this as a younger man, ringing that in my ears. You know, I remember when he said that to me and that just made me say, you know, I need to go and impact more people. Uh-huh. I was having a great career. Everything was successful. And I'm very grateful for the experiences. And I think a lot of those experiences are vital for what I do now. I got to work for three of the number one companies in three separate industries around the world. You know, you, obviously this is not a Texan accent. You can hear but definitely a UK accent. And then over to the US to kind of climb the corporate ladder and get successful at that. But it left me miserable. I was very unfulfilled because what was really going on was I realized I can't keep selling myself on the dream of becoming a CEO. It was never a matter of, is James ever going to become a CEO? It was just a matter of when is James going to be CEO? And so that was a nice feeling to know that I had it as kind of like a get out of jail free card is that I've got enough capabilities and skills now that I can get to the CEO seat and then have an awful lot of fun, but also then have a lot of different kind of stresses that I didn't want in my life. So the number one thing was fulfillment. And that I realized, you know, paying attention to some of the most successful people in the world and hearing the message, it's not about the money and knowing that it, uh, my fulfillment will come through decision and choice. And that I need to lead more people than I'm currently leading. And then that might bring its reward, very likely to bring its reward. But it, but it was a key thing for me is just like, I'm only impacting thousands of people and I wanted to leave a legacy. I wanted to leave this planet on my final day of reckoning and look back and say, I'm really proud of what I did and the amount of people who heard the messages and it changed their lives. And I operate on a policy of just change one person's life every day. And if I can change one person's life, I know the ripple effect of that is multiplied right. at, least, at least by 100%, but many cases, there's a thousand percent return on investment there of me spending time caring about somebody knowing that they are going to tell in their lifetime, 10 more people, hey, I met this guy, James. Mm-hmm. And I don't expect anything in return. I want them to genuinely take the advice I'm giving them and tell people, this is the advice I got. I deployed it. It made a difference in my life, whether that was in their career and they want to stay in their career or their mission and their purpose and that they found a business that they're proud of or just their health or their relationships or how they hang out with their family or where they live. You know, I, I think one of my biggest successes right now has been having a client who didn't care about the money, just cared about the location in which they live. So they can relocate from what I call the Arctic circle <laughs> and, 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 live, and live much closer to the equator and have this tropical paradise life. And that for me is a massive success that wasn't driven by money. It was driven by fulfillment. And so that's why I think that you mentioned at the beginning, the name of the business is Impact Mastery. I want to help people master their impact on the world. That's what I want to help them do. Which I love because you've seemingly overnight, but I know there's far more of a backstory. You've grown your business and you're doing that. Like you're getting results for your clients and they're getting results for their clients. So the ripple effect is huge. What I'm curious about, because you're not the only one who has left corporate and been dissatisfied and unfulfilled and talking themselves into, you know, well, I'm just going to, you know, one more day, one more day. And I think COVID gave a lot of people an excuse, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but or maybe more of a reason to start their own side gig or start their own business full out, what about corporate isn't working? For most people is the feeling of being undervalued. Okay. And I don't know whether it's yet to be seen. Did the pandemic make things worse or has it corrected some of it? You know, one of the early things we saw was burnout was already at an all-time high. 
and it increased during the pandemic. It didn't get any easier. So the short-term impact of the pandemic was definitely that it was worse. But what we're likely to see, I think, over the next five years, as we well, maybe four years into 2025 in this kind of post-pandemic recovery phase, mm-hmm. is a reallocation of resource so that people are much more integrated with their homes and they have that flexibility to do what they always wanted to do, which was to work from home more so that they could be more present for their families and their kids and then just get some of those little jobs done. In the old model, they were sneaking out of the office to do. Now, here's the challenge. Yeah, I mean, the, the big challenge I see in corporate right now is micromanagers are suffering because they do not like this. And the problem with management in general is a lot of the people aren't skilled and a lot of the organizations don't have leadership training. They have management training. And management training fosters micromanagers who right. cannot, who, who are, want to be in control, but they have no idea about leadership. You know, it's kind of your philosophy here around leadership is really powerful that there's a big demarcation between organizations that train leaders. You know, I'm thinking like Charles Schwab, phenomenal organization for training leaders. So the people who leave Charles Schwab, they go on and do incredible things because they've got a leadership program that works. Then organizations, you know, I'm not going to name names, but I've worked for organizations that had really good leadership programs and then ones that had terrible programs because they would give it a leadership title, but it would be management training. And it wouldn't be visionary. It wouldn't be strategic. It wouldn't be about mentorship or coaching or affiliation or partnership. It would be about directive orders, right? which is management. And more of that old school authoritarian model yeah. as opposed to where I think we're moving. And as far as I can tell, has far more benefits is where you're more collaborative and you're looking for ways to bring everybody up with you. Absolutely. I think that's going to be one of the long-term benefits will be a much more collaborative, participative, affiliative role. If you are a manager, there's a, the, level, the, the playing field's being leveled. There's no internal hierarchy anymore. And I don't think you can create the same hierarchies virtually as you can physically. So right. that virtual hierarchy kind of flattens things out a little bit. And I do think a lot of organizations will move to more of the Amazon type model, team of teams, where they'll put 50 people together in a team and say, here's the project, get it done. And the team will self-organize. Right. They'll decide who the project manager is. They'll decide who the product lead is. They'll decide who's in charge of what themselves without being told from above, you're in charge and you must tell everybody what to do. We are expecting that of you. I think that's some of those walls are going to crumble. And I think that the greatest leaders will be leading from behind, not from the front anymore. So it's going to be a different dynamic for us. Yeah. Isn't it wolf packs where I don't remember what the front order is, but the lead dog actually is in the back. Yeah. The alpha male is at the back. Yeah. Yeah. Protecting the prac. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's like this concept. I forget David's last name, a submarine commander for the US military, obviously in the US Navy. And he does this wonderful speech about how he was able to get high performance on his submarine. And that was for him to stop talking and give all of the power to the crew. So the crew made all of the decisions. And then his question, the only thing he retained control of you can watch this video. It's a little seven or eight minute video on, on YouTube. It's phenomenal. David Marquette, the name came to me. Look up David Marquette and you'll see the speech. And he talks about how as long as the crew could justify all the actions, they had all the information, they had all the data. Then the only thing he retained control over was the missile. He just had the finger on the button. Right. But he would never fire the missile. You know, if they were going into Russian waters or into different waters, they would never fire the missile unless the team had told him, we need to fire the missile. 
And he talks about in there how in a submarine, there's this huge long checklist of things that have to be done. It becomes very cumbersome if the leader or the manager is trying to control all of that. We have these very fractured hierarchies that just don't work. But if you give control to the people in the team, give them a voice, let them make the decisions and decide where the submarine needs to travel to, everything works much better. And, you know, he had like the number one safety record. He had all, all these kind of accolades attributed to him. And he's a wonderful public speaker. And so if you do get the chance to speak to him, then do that. Yeah, that'd be super fun. And I love that because, I mean, ultimately when everybody has a voice, you solve problems more collaboratively and you have better ideas coming to the table. Yeah. It's like Richard Branson's philosophy, isn't it? Of Don't hire people who aren't, who do what you can do. Hire people that can do things that you don't do and they do it much better than you. In that hiring process, you know, one of the things I think we should disperse with completely and I've dispersed with is stop interviewing people. There's a waste of time. Just give them a job to do as the interview. So, okay, you're going to be given four hours to do an exercise. At the end of that exercise, we will decide to hire you or not. That's it. Then there's no interview. That person can either prove I did this in one hour but you're looking for them to go above and beyond. So in one hour, they do the task. And in the second right. hour, they'll show you how to improve the process, where their subject matter expertise is valuable. And also then telling you, hey, you've been getting this wrong. And I've got three or four other options that I think we could do here. And I've just put them down at the bottom of the page. A lot of that doesn't happen in interview processes. So the very best candidates slip through the net because they're not trained to do interviews. They're trained to do the job. So why are we putting through an archaic process? I kind of like my interview process and I'm taking in what you say because you and I have talked about this before. And I like that because you want to hire people based on, on skills. Yes. But more about personality traits and how they problem solve and whether or not they're, you know, a visionary or, you know, super detail oriented and whether that fits the bill for whatever you're hiring for. So I think there's a really great place to have something like that. Yeah. Any leaders listening, if you're going to be a leader, humanize your job ad. If you want nice people working for you, you've got to ask for it. Yeah. You have to say specifically in the job ad, we are looking for nice people who will treat everybody fairly and they have no angry body. <laughs> you, know, you don't want aggressive managers anymore. Right. You want people who really care about the group and are going to demonstrate that over and over and over again. So in my job ads, when I, when I write my job ad now, the first thing I start with is we're this company, but you must be nice to work here. Here's our vision. And I tell them our vision and I talk about it. Then I hide a secret question in the job ad. And if they can't answer that question in the application, then they immediately get thrown out because now I know they didn't read the job ad. I throw them out. Then I say to the people who are pretty smart and they can answer the question, go and do the four-hour assessment and tell them the best of you is going to get picked. <laughs> so be, bring your best. And, I, and I'll specifically say, this is a four-hour time limit. Doesn't right. mean it's you need to use the four hours. You'll be paid for the whole four hours, but you don't need to use that time. Yeah, which is really a great indication too of how they're going to contribute because you want people who are going to add value, not just doers. Yeah, so, the last thing you want is somebody who takes the full time and then asks you 10 questions about the process. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'll be holding their hands forever. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm curious, how are you showing up differently as a leader from where you were as a managing director in corporate to being CEO of your business now? Without doubt, the hardest thing is to get out of the employee mindset. Yeah. And even when I made the transition, I noticed my clients turned up as employees. 
because they are they are either still employed or they've just left the ranks of employment. So it felt like a boss and employee relationship. So I've had to done an awful lot of work of, I am not your boss. I'm stood one step to the side of you and half a step behind you. Whenever you feel unsteady and you're not walking in the right direction, you just look over to me and I can even put a hand on your shoulder and just say left a bit, right a bit, but I'm not gonna stand in front of you and I'm not gonna stand behind you to catch you. You fall over, that's you. you. You can fall on your face or you can fall backwards. That's all on you. And so I think that was the biggest thing for me. The biggest challenge was getting out of that mindset of be- behaving directive, not giving people directive and coming back into that. I know I need to mentor these people and guide them, but I also need to be participating in what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I need to show them live step-by-step instruction so that they can see, I do this. This is how I run my business. So I know you do the same. So you teach people your exact system and that's the system you want them to replicate. So you don't have to do it any other way. Keep it very simple and I'll participate with you, showing you step-by-step how you do this. And I've seen your trainings and your matrices and checklists that you've got. That's exactly what people need. And they don't believe it sometimes. They think it must be more complex than this. And it really isn't. It's about changing your employee mindset to know that you are now an owner or or a solopreneur. It depends how you're kind of labeling yourself. I always say, be careful of labels, but just see yourself as the owner and you'll start to take a different level of ownership and leadership into your company because you won't be behaving as an employee anymore. Right. Yeah. And I think so many entrepreneurs, even if they're in the million dollar range or multi-million, they're still showing up doing all the work and not delegating and I refer to it as being a task checker. It's, it's so true. I, I had a conversation with a guy who's in my mastermind group and he's telling me he's doing $150,000 a month consistently. There's a serious amount of money to be earned every year. And he's telling me he's stressed out. He gets burnt out. He needs a break. And he's also telling me he's fearful and doubtful of the success. And I say, well, that's what I'm experiencing or if that's what I've experienced, I've got to shift some things. And so in a very short conversation, He'll already admit, yeah, I need to delegate more and hire some more people to do this. I'm not owning it. I'm doing it. And I say to him, yeah, so so set the date when you will hire by and hire the people. Oh, it takes time to do that. And my revenue will drop while I'm doing that. Well, it will because you didn't put the infrastructure in place. But you're going to slow down to smooth, smooth things out. And then that smoothness is going to bring you speed. And you'll be able to own your business, which means... You can take every seventh day off, every seventh week off, every seventh month off. And if you really want, every seventh year off. But you'll only be able to do that if you get the A-team in place with a manager who can run your company without you being there. Right. I mean, what's really cool is when it's done well, and I just started working with a client who has a massage practice in Pennsylvania here, and she lives in New York and runs it remotely. And now we're just, you know, how do we scale bigger? And it's because she's got the systems and the processes in place and she's got a great office manager that's what's needed a player people who can do the job and they can do it better than you and they will tell you take a break Mm -hmm. they're the best people who are be on your team to tell the leader time to take a break we see the cracks right so we'd like you to take a break and we'll see you we've got this come back in 72 hours and we can start again but you don't need to be here right now you're actually in the way. And it's like, it's like that TV show, The Profit. You always see these entrepreneurs in the TV with Marcus Lemonis. It's a CNBC show. Yeah, And then all these people who've built businesses up from zero to a million, and then they collapse. And it's because they didn't let go of the control. 
So the, the market shifts, they don't know how to change and their whole team beneath them don't know what to do because they've not been given the freedom to make their own choices or to put the investment. So the company's running out of money over time. And then the phone call comes to Marcus and Marcus sweeps in to save the day. Or yeah. he can't save the day because it's too late. Or he can't save the day because the leader refuses to relinquish control. Yeah, I've seen that a number of times. Yeah. As you're mentoring somebody, how hard is it for you, I'm curious, to let them sit and figure out their own answer? Because I I see a lot of coaches want to talk all the time and they don't listen. I find the mentoring easier. Okay. So I've got four people in my program. I was up to five people I mentor at any one time. These are people free of charge just to help them get moving. I'll hold my hand up. The goal is for them to become paying clients, but I want to help them and I want them to feel like they got the help. And so they're clear about, they did get to make their own decisions if they join the program. But ultimately for each of those individuals, I have to sit back. I find it a lot easier, maybe because they're not paying, but I actually see the people who I'm mentoring, I pick them very carefully because they're people who just made a wrong turn. They may have gone 90 degrees to the wrong direction. So I'm just trying to bring them back to the decision point. And I have an example right now. I think I can mention his name. So David, I'm working with, been working with him today. And he's looking at my content and he's working on my materials. And I'm deciding, do I want to give him a scholarship? But then I realized, no, that's the mistake. I want him to ask me for a scholarship because then I know he's committed. If I give him the scholarship, I don't know if he's committed or not. So I think that that's an important part of the difference of coaching. I'm a little bit more hands-on and I tend to be a little bit more you know, close in with my clients. And if I see things going wrong, I'll message them and say, hey, permission to give you some feedback. I always ask permission before I say so. I don't want to just go in and say, hey, this is wrong, change, because then it will be that boss-employee relationship. Right. You know, I just want to say, hey, would you mind if I gave you some feedback? Mentoring's different. It is. And I just want to add there too, because I've seen people do that a lot even between friends, like outside of business, where if you're not getting somebody's buy-in before you give them your two cents, they're not open to hearing it. Absolutely. And they may not be open to hearing it. So asking. Yeah, you'll get two responses. One is, I don't like this. And the other one is zero. They'll just walk away. Yeah. And Uh very rarely will anyone say, oh, that's great. Thanks very much for your help. Um, they, They want you to give, to ask for the space. I think courteous to kind of give them a a warning and a heads up that what you're about to hear is contradictory to what you may believe. I do like to soften it. So I'll ask permission. And then if it's particularly robust information, like this is not taught in our program, what you are posting is, you know, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Let's just say it's politically going to create a storm. I need to let you know that's not going to be associated with my brand. So just so I know we're not on the same page with this. Right. So I think that's things that I call out, but I do ask for permission and I do want to soften it. And most of the time I'll do that with voicemail anyway. And if they respond, I'll do a video. I'll talk to them through video so they get to see my facial reaction and know that this is not a terse interjection. This is just a calming, caring, giving perspective of if you are to continue down this path, I can see that there might be some headaches for you. And you may want to think about changing the operating system around that and how we might move forward. Let me know what you think. And normally you get very positive responses because you've created the space for them to say, okay, I'm ready for someone to tell me I didn't do something right. the way I should have done um, right. or, or could have done. I mean, I, I think it's down to the individual business owner to think about how they pivot and not everybody does. They'll say, thanks for the feedback and I'm going to carry on. Yeah. And that's okay too. Yeah. It's their business. Right. Well, and it may like take time for them to filter through whatever, you know, 
they work through and kind of hit them or land on them later too. So sometimes we have to have more than one person say the same thing. <laughs> they, yeah. need, they definitely need, may need to hear it twice. You know, I, I'm actually, I ask my clients to say to me, James, stop, listen. Because if they don't feel like I'm, they may say, I know you're listening, but I don't feel heard. I need them to tell me, James, stop, listen. Yeah. Clear direction. I'm quite happy for them to say that to me if I'm not giving them what they need. And I, I think that's leadership in itself is just give people the expectation of how to behave. Tell them how you want them to behave. You don't want them to be submissive and say, well, my coach says I've got to do it this way. Right. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't be submissive to your coach. You should challenge your coach and make them serve you at a higher level. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. What's next for you in the next like six months to a year? gone through the process of hiring, as you know. So we, we're hiring people now. It's probably going to be a team of five of us. I had the goal. So the goal was on July 10th, 2020, I wrote down on a piece of paper in a session that we were probably in together. I will hire five people by July 10th, 2021. It's ahead of expectation. I did not think that I'd be here in March hiring that team. You know, So we're two already in the door, three more job ads already out there, talking to the tech guy at the moment. So that's just manifestation of what's gone on. So that's been good. And that's just going to allow me a little bit more time to be more creative than I've been able to be and change the gear up in, in terms of channels because I operate predominantly in Facebook right now mm-hmm. and I want to go into different channels. I, like you, this is a podcast channel. I know that audio is the fastest growing channel out there. Don't have an audio channel. I would love to be able to add that in the next six months. And then I think you know where I'm going to be able to deliver, but most of my best work is on video or in live stage show. So I want to make sure that I can get on those stages and into public speaking arrangements as and when the world allows for that. So I think there are people already doing this, you know, events have already opened up, social distanced events, connecting more with people who are in the public speaking arena, people who are in the media, trying to connect with the media. I want to get published in some of those places to kind of build some credibility. And then the other thing, which always kind of sits on the back burner, but it's kind of 60% of the way there as a book. And I just know that at one point I'll pick that thing up and get it done. Will right. that be in the next six months? I don't know. And I, I don't, I know that it's not a moneymaker. It's more of a lead generation tool. And it's kind of something that I want to get done. So, you know, the whole premise of the book is to say, look, what lessons do I want people to hear before I'm no longer here? And if I don't do it, then there's no manuscript. There's no manifesto. Right. Of, These are the things that made the difference for me going from junior data analyst to managing director to see uh, my own company. If you know these things, then you can follow a path like that. And you can do some shortcutting because no doubt you're better than me. And if you are, then yeah, this is going to be a, a good shortcut manual for you. Awesome. I love that. Well, I can hardly wait to read it. So when you get to it, <laughs> I want a signed copy. You, you might be in it. You might be in it. Yeah, with, with the story. Let me tell you about when I met Emmy here. Yeah. Uh, that would be really awesome. I would love that. One more minute of my like 15 minutes of fame. You know, and that, well, that's it. If you get named in the book, the next thing is you have to go on stage and introduce me. Oh, well, that's, that's easy. It. You have to come and be the MC of the event. That's the next now thing. Now that I can pronounce your, your last name correctly, I can do that. So. <laughs> you did a marvelous job. Thank you. Thank you. James, this has been amazing. Share with everybody a little bit about your programs. I know you're offering a special, I don't want to call it a discount. That's the only word in my head right now, but you have a value add for anybody who's in that process or contemplating leaving corporate and starting their own thing. Yeah. So the big shift this year is that we we were doing just 90-day launch programs. 
I've learned very quickly that's nowhere near enough time for an employee to exit their job, build a business and get exit. So now we, we have eight-month and 12-month programs. They're a lot longer, a seven-step program. They'll walk you through exactly what you need to do to be able to exit that job. Double or treble your income so that you can do that. So you, you kind of be, there'll be a period of time where you'll have your day income and you'll have your side income where it could be earning double what you're currently earning. But what I want to say to people on you know, Tribe of Leaders is just give them the opportunity. If you want to get in any of our programs, regardless of when you listen to this, we will give you a 15% discount on what it is that uh, you want to come into. If you want to work with us for eight months, great. If you want to do the year, great. We'll give you that discount. Yeah, so it is a discount for your listeners. We do not do this. We do not discount. So I want to let them know this is a special event price. You know, it's kind of like, I would never believe that stuff until now I'm running it and I'm like, yeah, don't discount. Why am I giving it away? (laughs) Well, we're doing that for your special listeners. That's the thing. You guys hear this and you ever want to come into our program, make sure you come over to our site, get in contact with me, and then we can give you a 50% discount and we'll do that for everybody. Yeah, I can say I really appreciate that because you and I, well, you and I talked about not discounting and why that's important and everything. And having had so much interaction with you, you have such a valuable program. For me to be able to, you know, have kind of that safety net of somebody who's done it and then has an easy seven-step program where I can you know, how do I balance doing two things at once and being in two places at once and still having life and make money? Is yeah, yeah exactly the same. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, I say to people, don't worry, I've done what I teach. Right? I'm, not somebody, <laughs> I'm not somebody who did not do this. This is exactly what happened. I yeah. made a decision. I had a conversation and that was it. That started the ball rolling for, okay, now I need to get out. Yeah. I tell people eight months is kind of a sensible time frame, but I did it in five. So it can be done faster. Right. If you're focused and you're committed, if you're hungry, you're go-getter, you're focused, you're committed, you're an A player. If you're an A player, this is going to be a breeze for you. Because what the pandemic has also given us is not only was the internet already thumping along, but now you've got people sat looking at you. They were already doing three or four hours a day. Now they're doing five or six hours a day scrolling while they should be doing their work. (laughs) <laughs> these are the people who are yeah. interested in what you've got to provide them. And if, you know, the other thing I say is if you provide this in one of the three big areas of finances or health or relationships, you're going to win. So yeah, I think for anybody who's got businesses in those spaces, you know, that's a fair big, big markets. That's a great opportunity for anybody now to, to do that. So if you are looking to leave your job, then come and talk to me. We can uh, absolutely. And where can they connect with you? So the, the fastest way to get me is definitely to go to my Facebook profile. So it's just James Hilliard. Uh, so it's james.hilliard.9 is the Facebook profile, but you'll find me there. And then I'm linked to my group as well. My group online is called the Impact Mastery Blueprint. If you search that, it will come up in the search for the groups. Mm-hmm. So that's the easiest way to find me. But I'm also on Instagram, uh, Real James Hilliard. And you can find me on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, and I have one more question for you before I forget. Okay. What are the three words that describe you? What a wonderful question. Yeah, I like that. So the last three words are the best three words. I did some work on this with my coach when I was leaving. So part of my journey out of the job, hint, hint, get a coach, was she said to me, James, you've got to start defining what your new identity is going to be. And what she was really saying is you've got to define your real identity. And so these three words are what I consider to be who I am. And I live by these every day. So the first one is affection. And that encompasses giving and loving and caring. And I want to be that all day long. So I have it written behind the the board here as we're talking. Affection, so important. 
Then enthusiasm is that I bring the right energy into the spaces I'm working in all the time. I want people to see I'm enthusiastic. I truly care that people get results. So I kind of think about not only am I a business coach, but I'm a results coach and I really care about the results. And then the last thing is vibrancy in that I live an adventurous, you know, spontaneous, uncertain life. It's, I don't want to be comfortable. I don't want to feel trapped anymore. And that's what being an MD or a CEO in a company felt like to me. Very constricted, uh, doing the operations of the, of the board members. And so I was trapped or comfortable. The charged life or the adventurous life or the meaningful pursuit or the purpose is much more about vibrancy. And so that's something, that'd be my last word, vibrant. I love it. Those are great words. And a great way to like start your day, get really connected to those and just make magic from the rest of it. Yeah, frequently I write in my journal at the beginning of the day, what one word describes who you want to be today. And it'll be one of those three words. And then other times it it could just be the word energy. I just want to be energetic or dynamic, or I'll just come up with a word every single day. But a lot of the times it's tied to those three things and something that's connected to that. If I know I need to be empathetic in a given day because somebody's got a family issue, then I can lean in on that. And I can, that's who I want to show up as that day. Um, And I do that every day. I write down one word at the beginning every day. What what word am I going to be today? What a game changer. Yeah. I love it. Changed my life. Honestly, changed my life. Learning that system. Bless Denise. She was my coach. She's a wonderful lady. And she just got me to the point where I was hyper aware of how I needed to show up every day. And before that, I was the walking zombie. (laughs) (laughs) So that is complete transformation. Yeah. I have a client who used to work for me. And he said to me, I can't even recognize you. To be, you smile too much, <laughs> you know, because when he worked with me, I was kind of this terse, stern managing director driven by metrics and operational things. And he just said, you are a complete breath of fresh air now. And I say, yeah, I feel it because I'm, I'm operating in a completely different space, much more aligned to what I want to do. And I, and I am impacting hundreds, if not thousands of people every single day with the content and what I can reach out to. So I just love that. And uh, knowing that I don't have to expect anything, it just, what will be, will be. Yeah. Yeah. I love your outlook. And I think that's going to have a tremendous part in how you create your lasting legacy and impact. Yeah. But that's a good thing. I'll finish by saying this. So whatever you're doing, listeners, create, inspire, and make an impact. Yes. And with that, we are going to end for the day because I know you and I could jam for like hours. And for everybody who is listening, Thank you, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. And I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review. It would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 